on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about resilience. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are so delighted that you have joined us for this episode on resilience. It is coming on the tail end of burnout and perspective and reflection and planning. Uh, Before we launch in, we want to acknowledge that we are on the land of the Coast Salish people. We happen to be on different lands (laughs) of the Coast Salish people, but lands of the Coast Salish people nonetheless. So, Karina, let's check in about your COVID Christmas, and you can explain while we're in different lands. Yeah, and if folks haven't figured out Kirsten's calling in, I'm looking at her on my computer. She's, I had to video her in because my house is a germ parade over here. Um, we actually got diagnosed, <laughs> self-diagnosed um, with COVID on Christmas Eve morning. In fact, car was packed. Mm-hmm. Full of presents, you know, the food was prepared. My sister and her whole family were on the way over to my house to mix up the cars because Barry thought that would be super fun if we all just rode down with different people to go see my parents. And as a matter of course, we just took a rapid COVID test and found out that my son was positive. And then later, the rest of us tested positive, my family. And so, yeah, nothing like December 24th calling off your entire uh, celebration and spending it freaking out and talking to doctors and, and quarantining your 15-year-old from his own Christmas. Such a bummer. It is not a holly jolly Christmas. No, there was not a lot of laughter that day, I'm going to be honest. It's a really interesting sinking feeling to stare at that at-home test and and try to convince yourself that it's not positive, even though it really is. And we're vaccinated and boosted and like overly cautious. I mean, hell, you and I recorded this podcast like out in a barn in five degree mm-hmm. weather in order to avoid this mm-hmm. thing. And so it's, it's a, it was really an interesting, yeah, that was it's been an interesting couple of weeks. And thankfully we get to come out of quarantine in a couple of days and none of us got particularly ill. It did feel just like a cold, which I think a lot of people are experiencing, but oh, I think the mental. I'm so sorry about that. No, I thank you for that, and I think, but I think it's the you know the the hardest part was the mental. The mm-hmm. hardest part really was the mental and the shift that we had to make to go from you know picturing what we thought was going to happen to actually experiencing what really was happening and really happening to the kids too and to the grandparents and to the other members of the family, which is all. It's, it's, <laughs> it's so interesting, and I do say this with like. When we have something set in our minds and it gets thwarted or changed, it's so interesting, at least this is the way I feel in myself, to feel the momentum of moving forward. To literally, like in my body, feel like, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be moving forward. I'm supposed to have momentum. To being absolutely stopped. I mean, to a much lesser degree, it like happens when your plane gets canceled, right? yeah. Or you think you're getting on this or you think you're doing that or you think you're going there and it gets changed and all of a sudden we have to readjust, Mm -hmm. which is kind of appropriate for this episode on resilience. No, it's one of the reasons I was so excited to do this. Oddly enough, we had chosen this topic before my family came down. Before you got COVID. But 
what was and I know when I talked to you about it, I was like, I'm I leaned on this research throughout this process. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's I literally went through some of the things that we're going to we're going to talk about today to remind myself kind of how to manage the emotions and the and the experiences that I was having and to honor, honestly, the experiences that we were having. But it's all part of it. It's all part of what we've all been going through. You know, and the reason we chose this episode is because one of our most popular shows in the last six months was the one on burnout. I mean, to me, that was a signal that people are feeling it in a big way. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like I, I think I texted you at the end of the year, the New York Times put out this this survey of like, if you pick one word readers for to describe 2021, what is it? And the winner was relentless. Mm. So readers of the New York Times picked the word relentless to describe 2021. And I think that's perfectly fair. I'm like, yes, it has been relentless. Yes. And how do we get through? I mean, because we're all getting through it, right? Some better than others, but we're getting through it. And recognizing that there is this relentless crush in some ways of COVID and work and family and weather. I mean, that was the other thing that piled on us in the Pacific Northwest, at least, was this historical, after historic floods that put so many people out of their homes. We just had a historic freezing. I mean, we had single digit mm-hmm. weather, you know, and it is relentless. And how do we, how do we get through it? How do we, how do we get, how do we get through it with ease, meaning and joy? How do like, get, how do we get through it without sacrificing ease, meaning and joy, which is what we're focusing on, yeah, right? That, right? Women work, ease, meaning and joy. And how do we take this concept of resiliency and apply it so that we get more Oh, that good stuff. Exactly. And how, what do, how do we recognize the things in our own experiences? Then I speak for, I speak really about my own most recent. How do you use the tenets of resilience, the things that make you a resilient person, recognizing what those are, knowing kind of what those factors are so you can nurture those very things in your life, help you get closer to that ease, meaning, and joy on a daily basis. You know, when we were researching for the show, I did come across a quote. I can't remember who said it, but it was like, adversity doesn't discriminate. If you're alive, you're going to have to, or you've already had to deal with mm-hmm. big, tough times. And COVID isn't, is, the, is not the only one either, right? Right. COVID's right, because we're still, it's one of the things, but we're still experiencing all of the things that we always experience, which are you know, grief, death, divorce, loss of relationships, uh, struggles in relationships, all kinds of things, illness, you know, so uh, on top of all the regulars, we now also have COVID and for some of us more weather incidents, you know, more things that are really, really scary about the environment. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I'm trying to think of like, what's something funny I can say? Like, seriously, what's something I can do to crack up? So we're laughing. And I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't just, know either. So let's just let's, let's see if we can find something. We'll just keep talking until we find something funny because you and I are good at that. I know it is funny. It is crazy. I was just like, "Yep, it's it's hard. Yep, burnout. Yeah, COVID. Uh, work. God, family. Wait, it's also it's not the shit all, show. It's also not you know, and then it's also not that terrible sometimes too. So. I guess I was trying to find that little sweet sweetness so we could kind of transition into talking about resiliency. But Do you know what, though? Before we start talking about resilience, I 
this is one of like my favorite things in the whole world is resilience. Like I feel like this is something that I really can do to change my own life. Like when I feel really bad about something or when something bad happens, I think before I used to leap more quickly into all of the things for resiliency. And now just to be clear, like I I make sure I fully understand my feelings before I get into resiliency, right? Like I don't leapfrog over my feelings anymore. No, let me me rephrase that and be more accurate. (laughs) I don't leapfrog over my feelings as much as I used to, (laughs) um, right? Yes. To get into resiliency. But it is so great because, you know, when I feel really bad and I feel really bad for a while, I'm like, oh, okay, what is it that I can do? to change my experience of this life. Mm -hmm. And all these things we're going to talk about today are things that I use, you know, sometimes on a daily basis. (laughs) Well, and I really appreciate you saying that because I think that's what I was trying to do in a way. It was like kind of skim over some of the feelings that I have had or am having some of this just, yeah, kind of feeling like it's really tough to, to get just like quickly move past that. And I think what you're saying is sometimes we don't, Sometimes that quickly move past. That doesn't serve us. It doesn't always serve us. Right. Sometimes it's good just to feel the feels. Yeah. So if you're swimming around, if you're feeling the feels, and if you're gonna, you know, get through them at some point, there are some things that you can do, inhabit, inhibit, no, inhabit, embody to really start to kind of build that resiliency. Which, you know, by definition is resilient people really are able to recover and adapt quickly from traumatic events and stressors. I mean, that's kind of the textbook definition of resiliency is whether Mm -hmm. you can recover and adapt when shit hits the fan, right? Yep. Some people will also say it's some, it's an inner strength, but I really feel like it's more about inner practices. Like I disagree a little bit with how these, how resiliency is characterized. And I do think it can be built with practices. I don't think it's just something some people have and some people don't. Yeah. Well, I think that that, that that's actually in line with some of the research I saw that really the tools that, and the skills that build resiliency that make you a resilient person are indeed learned. There's something you can mm-hmm. practice. It's not just some fluke of inner strength. You know, it's, it's not that some people have it and some people don't. Although if you are a resilient person or if you know people who are resilient, there are kind of markers of resilient people that I found pretty common. Like they consistently have a relatively positive outlook. You can kind of, they flip out of the negative relatively quickly. You see them, you know, dealing with difficult situations with ease I think also resilient people don't really get caught up in negative emotions during a difficult time. They're not the people who are sort of beating their chest saying, why me? This sucks. This is terrible. I'm having a hard time with it. No, they they might say I'm having a hard time with this, but they don't live in that negative place. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you don't feel those negative thoughts along the way or sometimes dip into that. But I think that there is, I think that there is the ability to move into something else as well. Yeah. I feel like I'm really sensitive to that whole negative emotions thing too. I don't know if you are or not, but like I just recently overheard a conversation for instance, where um, it was two people talking on the phone and one person was like, yeah, they were talking, yeah, doesn't such happened. And I know, isn't it miserable? Doesn't that suck? Isn't that just terrible? It's just making life so hard for everybody. Da, 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 da. And I, and I 
felt in my body. Like, I don't want to hear this shit. Like that doesn't, yes. that does nothing for me. It's a, yes. it's, it's really hard to be around. I'm incredibly sensitive to that. And I don't know if it's cause to me, it just brings us into like a downward spiral or it sucks you into the pit of despair. Right. It's the antithesis. It's just, yes. It's just not. Yeah. Okay. It's, these aren't resilient. And so what I want to be is around those resilient people who kind of really face the stressors and they're not trying to eliminate them or live in this like negative place. They're ready to learn from mistakes and kind of rebound and recalibrate and get after it. And I, I want to think there's one thing about resiliency that I want to call out. You talked about you know, people managing situations with ease. And sometimes I think just a matter of getting freaking through. And I hope, I mean, I don't know if listeners can hear that. I was hitting my table because I'm like, (laughs) sometimes there's no freaking ease, right? It's just a matter of getting through. And I have looked at people who might have not done something with ease, but I'm like, holy stinking cow, they actually got through that. And just getting through it can be the marker of resiliency. Right. Yeah. So sometimes it's not how 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 good it looks on the outside, but the fact that you actually got through it instead of wallowed in it, instead of stayed stuck stuck. there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, on all of this, all of these traits are built by some very specific things. There's been a fair bit of research in the last 20 years that really look at the things that resilient people do, think, say, possess, etc., We also have, um, which we're going to get into, but it's also interesting that, you know, it's not just people who are resilient. We have resilient workplaces Mm -hmm. and communities and relationships, et cetera. And back to that original definition, resiliency is really the ability to recover and adapt quickly from a stressor. And so when you're thinking about yourself, you know, you want to possess that skill set for sure. And you also want to be working in a place, a system that is designed to adapt to and respond to stressors, right? Especially at work. You know, there's a really, you know, it can be any place in your, you know, your nuclear family, your larger family of origin, whatever. But I find that a resilient workplace is so incredibly helpful because it's so much easier to feel lifted up, to feel the possibilities, to be ready to kind of tackle something or figure something out when everybody around you is like, okay, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's figure this out. Right. How do we, how do we fix this? How do we deal with this? How do we respond to this? That's right. And how does this, how is the system or the workplace designed to, to minimize the negative impacts of stressors? And I I agree with you. I mean, I think that's one of the best, uh, the the best workplaces I've ever worked at were the resilient ones Mm because we all personally in our workplaces in our communities in our families, et cetera, we need this because it's crazy out there as we already discussed, right? Mm -hmm. People are going, it's really tough. It's, you know, people at work, people are going to quit. You're going to, you're not going to meet your, meet your sales. You're going to have too much success, more success than you planned for. And you're going to out, you know, mm-hmm. out, your growth will outpace your capacity. People will be weird, you know. Something will go wrong. So, Something will go wrong. Yeah. And if you and your workplace both are resilient, that is a real recipe for beautiful, beautiful things, my friend. Mm-hmm. But how do people, you know, how do you, how, how do you, how do you start to develop these concrete behaviors and skills associated with resilience? 
<laughs> I'm starting to laugh because I'm like, I feel like I have had a lot of opportunities to develop resilience. Yeah. I really have. I feel like I've had opportunities with disappointments at work, with divorce, with death. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of opportunities to develop resilience, and I feel like it has really served me. Hmm. Like, I think it might be the thing that I do in my life that serves me the most. Yeah. But it's interesting because a lot of people have gone through these things. I said this to you when we first met. One of the craziest things about you, Kirsten, that I've recognized is that of all of your experiences with all of this, like you said, death and divorce and trauma and drama and etc., it does you do that's not this you don't lead with that that does not what that is it, not what defines you it is no. one of the most noteworthy things when i first got started to get to know you and dug below the surface and realized all of the things that had gone on in your life i was consistently struck by how surprised i was because anyone who had dealt with in my experience anyone who had dealt with some of the things that you personally have dealt with would not have the same kind of optimism and carefree attitude, et cetera, that you so easily possess, which is the, the first thing that our researchers say about resilient people is that they understand that shit happens and they move mm -hmm. on and you like embody shit that. Happens. You know, it's funny that Ted talk that we both listened to by Lisa Horn, right? Hone. That's her name, I think Lisa it's Horn. Horn. Lucy. Horn. I, I always say Horn. It's Lucy Hone. Thank you. <laughs> Lucy Hone. Let's get her name right because it was a it was a very good TED talk. But the thing that she said that I liked the most, I'm not going to exactly quote it, but I will get the point across. Don't let your grief steal the rest of your life. Don't let your stress steal the rest of your life. And I feel like I've seen people who let their grief and their stress or some bad thing really steal their life from them. And I just was like, I don't want anybody, I don't want this to steal my life. Well, and right? it, yes. And you it ha and from the outside looking in, it doesn't appear to have. And it hasn't. It really has not. But I do think that there's something that I do want to talk about, which you mentioned, and I want to come back around to this, that there is a bit of criticism around the resiliency movement mm -hmm. and having people be resilient. Talk about that a little bit because you brought that up and I was like, that's a, when we were planning and I was like, that is a really good point. Okay. I, when I was doing my work on this, I was real. Well, I think one of the things that has come out of this resilience movement, like I said, of the last 20 years of research is that resiliency is built by attitudes and behaviors and social supports. And most of the things we're going to talk about today and a lot of what you will read if you dig into resiliency is that the very things that create a resilient human can basically be adopted and cultivated by anyone. And so there's this premise that it's really up to the individual to build resiliency, regardless of your experiences as a human. And critics of this say, yeah, that's all well and good, but... What about racism? 
What about sexism? What about ageism? What about these other factors that we're not all in control of? And so when we were preparing for the show, I kind of brought this up with you, Kirsten, and said, you know, when we talk about resiliency, is it white people? Is it from a white person's perspective? And I, this is when I was like, that is a really good point, Krina, because you cannot solve institutional and structural isms, racism, ageism, sexism by being resilient. Right. I mean, it may help you to get there at the end of the day, but resilience itself does not solve that problem. And so, and as I, I mean, I, I will say this: some of the most resilient people that I know are people of color. Yeah. And that comes, I think, in part from having a lot of opportunity to practice being resilient, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but I do want to call out that resiliency can serve individuals, but there's things that it can't solve. That's right. That's right. And, and I was just like, that's such a good point, Karina. And, yeah. And you can't, and some people just don't necessarily because we know that systemic racism exists, because we know systemic sexism exists, because we know that not everybody is starting from the same place in their lives in a system that was designed to support them as, as much as it, or to benefit them, like it has for white people, mm-hmm. that the assumption that you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps is a bit shallow. I think that's the other incomplete. I think it's incomplete. It's incomplete. That's the other criticism of this movement. And so when you're listening to some of these, you know, kind of ways you build resiliency, kind of recognize that, yeah, that that actually may be the reality as well. We may be asking you to kind of hold this paradox between here are some of the this is what the experts tell us, you know, about building resiliency. And there may be some of some of it may be rooted in. The isms. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't mean you still shouldn't be resilient. Don't let that take your joy away. Don't let that take your life away. Um, I mean, and unfortunately, I just took my, I that statement. I just had my like breath taken away because we know for some people, you know, color with that their lives do get taken away. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, to the extent that we can kind of, I love that the way you said that hold this paradox and the complexity of being a resilient individual with this acknowledgement that it doesn't solve these bigger issues. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Does that feel like, do do you feel like I answered your question? I do. I just really wanted to talk about that piece because when we were preparing, I was like, Oh, this is very thought provoking. Karina, very thought. I know me just chalking. That's like my two. I get two a year of thought. provoking things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, but I really do want to get into this a little bit about how we build resiliency. And again, you know, we're asking for this for grace as we move through, through these, according to people who study this, Dr. Lucy Hone, I'm going to say her name again. We'll post her Ted talk in the show notes says, you know, one of the things that resilient people do, and I said it already, is that they figure out, they understand early on that bad stuff happens to good people, that it's, you are, you know, they're not necessarily delusional, but they just, when things are tough, like my COVID, you seem to kind of know that suffering is the part of every human experience and you will eventually get through it. And I think, you know, Kirsten, you embody that for sure. And, and that's very nice of you to say, but honestly, I think I've just switched the question. As opposed to why me? Why me? Why does this happen to me? Uh-huh. I've asked myself, why not me? Hmm. What What is it about me that that is not that does not have to have suffering, right? And 
we don't get to meet out what we see as equal suffering because I'll be candid when you talk about privilege, I have a tremendous amount of privilege. I feel kind of like, shit, if I can't be resilient, who can? Mm -hmm. Because I have so much privilege, right? I recognize that in my place. Um, But I really switched the question to, (laughs) yeah, why not? Why not me? What's so special? What's so important? What's so privileged about me that I, this hasn't happened to me. And I didn't notice I didn't use the word deserve because that has nothing to do with it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, no, I love that. And of course, and that's part of it, right? So I'm going to say it again. That's one of the number one things that you can do that resilient people do is they recognize, well, of course, why not me? This is going to happen. This kind of stuff is going to happen to me just like it happens to everybody else. Another thing that they do is they're really good at choosing where they put their attention and energy, right? They're really good about realistically appraising situations and, and focusing on the things that they can change and then somehow accepting what they can't change. And in, in a spoiler alert, I think most of the time what we can change is how is our attitude, right? Most of the times the things mm-hmm. we're in control of are internal factors, not necessarily external. And so, you know, practicing that skill of kind of stepping back, looking at a situation and going, huh, what am I going to focus on here? What am I, where am I really going to put my energy and attention and make sure it's on the things that you can change or realistically, you know, impact in some way. I think like, how long am I going to spend resenting my, my ex-husband about the end of our relationship? How much time am I going to spend in, in resentment and anger until I'm ready to say, okay, this is over and it's done. So now what am I going to put my attention on? Because I think if you put your attention on resentment and anger, that's where you'll stay. Now, again, it's not like you don't feel that. Of course you do. Yeah. And it's not like once you're done, you're done. We all know that we swing back and forth all the time. But again, where is it that you put your attention on things that like that you can that you can change or change your experience, or do you put your attention on things you can't change? Right. But there's also something in there that you just said, which is kind of the third, which is that that resilient people also focus on the positive. So not only do they just focus, they try to focus on the things that they can change. They also try to focus on the positive. In fact, we found this one study by this guy named Martin Seligman, I believe, and his colleagues. And they just asked people to think of three good things that happened to them at the end of each day. Huh. Reminds me of our um, reflections episode from a couple from about a month ago, Mm -hmm. too. Right. So he asked them to think of three good things that happened to them at the end of each day. And over the course of six months in the study, the people um, who who showed higher levels of gratitude had higher levels of happiness, less depression and more resiliency. So even focusing, just focusing on not only choosing what you're focusing on, but focusing on positive things builds resiliency. You know, that TED talk by Lucy Hone, she lost her daughter and she's talking about that experience and what got her through. And she says that she was up one night very late looking at pictures of her daughter and just going into this black hole of despair and understandably, right? And she caught herself and she said, 
this is not helping me. Mm-hmm. I need to put these away. I need to go to bed. I need to get some sleep and try again tomorrow, right? And I love that. Like I hear about even people who are in the creative process, like writers um, and artists, I've heard that they'll um, focus on positive things during their work so that they feel lifted up in order to whatever creative expression that they're in. So I think that that concept of what are you doing and is it harming or helping you is so important to resiliency. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. And it's not even what are you, it's what are you doing? What are you thinking? What are you focusing on? What are you, what stories mm-hmm. are you telling yourself? Is this harming or helping? Shit, I know that. I'm When I'm feeling my resiliency kind of well starting yeah. to dry up, I don't want to read the news. That does no, not help. I'm, yeah. That doesn't, you know what I mean? It's I'm, funny. You called it your resiliency well. And I, when I feel, when I feel fragile, mm. I do the same thing. I'm like, oh, I, re- I remove the negative influences. Yes. Uh, it's not helpful. I don't want to read that book. Nope. I don't want to watch that movie. I don't want to hear your bullshit <laughs> negative comments. No. It's all going to, st- you know, like I'm going to put a big wall around myself right now because I got to start to fill it back up. And again, I think, yeah, that's awesome. Her story in that stories in that TED Talk were really striking. I hope our listeners will go and find it because these first couple are certainly straight from her TED Talk. You know, Kirsten, the one, the, um, the fourth one on our list, you know, the trait uh, for building mm-hmm. resiliency. I love this one. Yeah, so I was going to say it came straight from you. You you want to talk about it? Oh, mental agility, right? Responding versus reacting. So I'm going to tell a super goofy story where I was not particularly <laughs> resilient because I could not calm myself down. So I am six hours from home. I'm with my daughter. And I'm with her steps half sister, and we are getting ready to get into a car and trying to make an appointment, and the car won't start. And I believe that I have been that I have that the battery to the car has died. I have a second key that doesn't work either. I believe that I've been given the wrong second key. So I am like, oh my gosh, we have to be somewhere. And I did not stop to problem solve, I reacted and tried to find an Audi dealer. When I couldn't find an Audi dealer, I called my husband and said, put the key on a plane and send it over here so I could get, I mean, crazy, like that crazy. (laughs) I was out of control. And I was like, and what I realized looking back at that was I was in a stressful situation and I absolutely reacted. So Mr. Bryn, my beloved, drove an hour and a half to drop off this key at the airport so they could fly it six hours away so that I could get <laughs> it in the afternoon and get us home. It was freak. It was nuts. And then I later find out, listeners, this might be, this is a big takeaway from the show. Yeah, this is going to be a good you, one to remember. This is a big takeaway. If you have one of those electric keys, you're supposed to hold it up to the little key indicator, which is usually somewhere near where you put the key in or where the key is, whatever. So it's just a great example of just not calming down and reacting in stress, right? As opposed to saying, take a deep breath. Where am I putting my attention? What am I telling myself? I'm telling myself that the world is on fire yes because i can't start the car which makes no sense right 
Well, it's interesting because, right, this ability, resilience, again, the ability to recover and adapt quickly during a stressor. So you, you didn't, you, you reacted, you didn't respond. You get yourself mm-hmm. in this situation where you're holding two keys that if you had really thought about it, like calm down and thought about it and, and really logically gone, huh, okay, wait, there's got to be more to this than I'm not seeing. What am I not seeing? A little bit of internet research, a little bit of a calm down, get the people to the yeah. point, right? Then you would have re- been responding rather than reacting and and displaying more resilient characteristics. But there's mm-hmm. there's something about your story, though, that you didn't follow all the way through. And this is this whole spoiler, the whole lesson for folks about the key fob. You're saying if we have an if, if we have an electric key thing fob. Yeah. And it doesn't work. You can't get it to open. Yes. You can't get it to open the yes. car or start the car. Start the car. You can't start the car with it for some reason. There is some sort of reset that you can do by holding the fob up to the thing. Well, I think it's some kind of a magnetic thing where if there is no battery, no energy left in it. Oh, yeah. That you put it next to the thing. And I think there's some magnetic whatever that happens. I mean, this is what I've. Of course, I haven't looked at this, Krina. Now that I know it, I'm just going to do it. I don't damn care why. Got it. Okay. So you could have you could have held it close enough to this one zone in your car and push started your car, push button started your car after all. Yes, absolutely. I see. Okay, that I just needed to make sure that our listeners fully understood that story. See, my assumptions our listeners are so smart that they're like, what the hell, Kirsten? Everybody knows. No, I didn't know that. I do think our listeners are smart. But hell, I didn't know that. I'll tell you. I know it now. But that I know whole, it now like that, you wouldn't believe it. I love that. And I would love to be able to have the presence of mind to say to myself in situations that feel stressful and, you know, f- panicky to say, are you responding or reacting? Are you responding or reacting, Karina? You know, I have a better story about responding. When I was getting divorced from the kid's dad, I found a bad piece of information and I had it in my mind that I would get into my car and I would confront him about this bad piece of information. And I could not find my keys because as everybody knows who knows me, I cannot ever find my keys. (laughs) And in the 10 minutes that I was like scrambling around my house looking for my keys so that I could go over and confront, you know, about this information, I was like, wow, that's a really bad idea. Ah. Like, why would I do that? Why would I go? What am I going to get out of this? What is the point of this? There is no point in this. And so that's my positive reaction key story, right? I couldn't find my keys. I had a moment to pull myself together. So I was able to respond way better to the information, which is like, well, of course. Why are you surprised by this? Go make yourself a cup of tea, read your book, and go to bed. Yeah, because I should point out it was like eleven o'clock at night when I found <laughs> that. Yes, that is such a great. That's such a great uh, other story. But I still love the six. I love the key He's on the airplane story, airplane, right? uh, story yeah. for sure. Uh-huh. But that that ability to say, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. What do I know? What do I know to be true? What? And I, you know, when you were saying that, it made me think about kind of that reptilian brain, right? The react mm-hmm. is your, you know, fight, flight, or flee, or freeze. The mm-hmm. um, respond is that higher thinking, longer, higher executive function. Like, hold on, what can I solve? What's realistic? What do I want to focus on, etc. Which I hadn't made that leap until we were just. I was just listening to you talk, but. I think that's it. I mean, that, you know, it's the hold on. Yes. Hold on. Hold on. 
right? I mean, if we could just ask ourselves, hold on. Yeah. Hold on a second now. Um, another mm-hmm. key, though, to resiliency is really kind of compart- be- the ability to compartmentalize. Honest to goodness. And I feel like this is one of those superpowers that you and I both possess, which is like, and maybe it's a little bit of like deciding what you're going to focus on and when. Maybe we've already talked about it, but really like minimize, like uh, minimizing the um, emotional and cognitive clutter and putting things in their place. Work is done. Put work away. You know, kids are not getting in right now. I'm not going to focus on it. I mean, in fact, I have a story that's happened right now. You know, we're call- we're talking via my computer. So I'm staring at a screen and I get my text messages on my computer and I'm trying. My kid lost his phone in the snow and he has not had a phone for over a week because, you know, we've been in a deep freeze up here and nothing's thawed out. And he fin- and we haven't had any deliveries to our house in a week. And we finally got the mail and his replacement phone got delivered and he's trying to activate it. And he's been texting me this entire podcast recording session, trying to get me to help him. Well, not this entire time, but for a good portion of this. And I'm trying and I'm compartmentalizing it. Right. Like I can't deal with that right Mm -hmm. now. I can't. Mm -hmm. There's no place for that right now. Mm -hmm. But we know the people who have that. Who, who manage, try to manage absolutely everything in front of them all. Everything is important. Every urgent matter is important. Every important matter is urgent. And, you know, you got to be able to compartmentalize. You cannot do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I remember when the kid's dad died that I had this huge rush of like, like I saw my kids getting married. I saw them graduating. I saw them having their own babies without their dad. And I was just like in this big, like, oh my gosh, there's so much for me to manage. And I remember thinking to myself, no, 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 KB. You just need to pull yourself together and figure out what you need to do for the next 24 hours. Yeah. Right. Yes. Or the next, you know, what is it? And sometimes it's, what am I going to do in the next 15 minutes? Yep. Um, but just recognizing that I know there's all this other stuff out there, but no, I just got to figure out what I have to do right now. Yeah. And that- which most of the time is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, know. that's the crazy thing. About I don't like that though. This. That's so stress. That's so stressful for me to do nothing. You know that. Come yeah. on, we got to fix this mm-hmm. or whatever. But no, that's the other, that's another kind of compartmentalizing, right? That's just like. Focus on what you can do right now in the moment and don't let that other stuff bleed in because it doesn't lead to your ability. It does not help your ability to respond in in stressful situations to respond. And and frankly, if I had been right, if I had been focusing on all these things to happen in the future, I would have missed what was right in front of me. And that was the thing I needed to be present for, which was whatever was right in front of me. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And again, I think you do that so well. I think it's just from practice. And it, but you know what? It feels so much better. Yeah. It just feels all of these things feel so much better than the alternatives. Like that's the thing when you really start doing these things, they just feel so much better. Yeah, I would agree. I would totally agree. Responding with like, you know, logic and Mm -hmm. with that higher power, higher brain or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, kind of taking things as they come, focusing on the positive, focusing on, you know, the immediate in some cases does feel a lot better than the alternative. Mm -hmm. You know, another one of the keys to resiliency that also feels really great, which I am only now building 
is community. Isn't that interesting? It's, that, it's very interesting. That having a, a connection, being grounded in other people, having strong relationships, a circle of support, that's also a real key. And I want our listeners to know, you know, when I say I'm just starting to build it, you know, a lot of my community was built around my career that I stepped away from. And, you know, work friends don't stay friends always when you leave the workplace. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the community of, in my case, you know, environmental advocates and whatnot, you know, they they continued and I needed to step away. A lot of the friendships that I had were based were professionally and I didn't have a strong circle of friends outside of work. And I didn't know if I even had the capacity or, or desire to have them. You know, I'd been so surrounded by so many people that I didn't really, I didn't really think that much about it. And only in the last year or two do I realize, holy crap, there's some real beautiful things that are out there waiting for you when you tap into or start to create some friendships and some community that and really connection. and connection that really do help with resiliency. I mean, you know, I'll go back to my most recent episode with COVID. I wanted to talk to my people. Mm -hmm. I just wanted some support and connection. I didn't need food to be dropped off. I didn't need, you know, the I didn't need the um, material things that often come with a, with a situation like this. Or I just need, I, I really just crave people to talk to. Did it make you feel better when you were talking to people to know that if you did need something, that there were people out there who could help you? Oh, 100%. Yes. I also, and I got a lot, and I, yeah, and I did get the, hey, do you need anything? Our neighbor, every time they went to the grocery store, actually several, three, three of our neighbors, multiple times said, four, four neighbors said, hey, you need anything? That's amazing. And, and we didn't and because my husband is a freak of nature and didn't test positive for COVID. It was just me and my kids. So he was able to run our errands or whatnot. I love that, Krina, that you, that these four neighbors reached out, you know, you're building this community. And what I really like is I acknowledging that communities change. Yeah. Right. Aww. Which means there's all kinds of time in your life when you need to build community or a different community. I mean, I feel this acutely with the community I had when my kids were little versus the community I had when they were teenagers versus the community I have now that they're big, they're adults. Let's not say big. Let's just say adults because that's what they are. <laughs> oh my God, they're so big. They're so no, big. they're adults. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's get to my favorite okay, humor. Let's, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Resilience. I remind you of our episode Yep, resiliency and humor. Yeah. People who resilient people have a sense of humor. You gotta find the funny stuff. You really have to laugh. It builds You have to you laugh. You have to laugh. There are so many great things that come from laughter. And resiliency is only one of the many of them. In fact, you should go listen to that episode about laughter right this very and minute. My, yeah, but listen to the listen to the laughter, the humor, no, humor episode. Humor, but episode. By the way, my my sister and I believe that laughter also makes a flatter stomach if you care about something like that. When you laugh, <laughs> yes. it makes your ab your abs get tight and your stomach gets flatter. Again, if you care about that. I you know I care about that. I do too. I hate to admit it, but I do. I totally care about it. I, and I think it's, it's okay. Um, hey, finally, and I think we need to wrap up this list. Resilient people really do have some sort of optimism or hope some sort of positive outlook. And, um, you know, you got to cultivate that in some cases. 
you know, we know that that's a learned behavior, that if you trend negative, which a lot of people do, you know, if when something happens, you start to kind of go down yeah. that rabbit hole, um, starting yeah. to build in that hope or optimism through a gratitude practice, through meditation, through some sort of discipline really has an impact on your resiliency. And I really think that on this one, like, you know, there's been times in my life when I've said, oh, I'm going to have a family and have kids and that's going to be, my life will be great. Or I'm going to be a lawyer and have these things. And there's a lot of times in my life where those things have not felt within reach or they felt disappointing or I've been disappointed by them. And so those are the times I think when we can really latch on to the smaller, simpler things. Mm -hmm. Like I like that first cup of coffee in the morning. I love so much. I love my warm bed covers. I love a hot bath. You know, there's things that are really small that I can create every single day that provide like positive, hopeful outlook, right? Yes, yes. And sometimes they're just really tiny. Sometimes they're tiny and sometimes they're big. Sometimes they're as big as having purpose or having um, meaning in your life. And sometimes they are as small as, like you said, the kind of the cup of coffee. The point is, and the skill is having that translate into some sort of hope or optimism about to the move future. the compass. Ne- yeah, to move the compass needle yeah. in that direction. Yeah. And you know, yeah. all of these things, all of these things that we're suggesting, all of these things that we're hoping that you either currently or are working towards kind of manifesting on a daily basis for yourself, you know, they happen because you're, you uh, are intentional about it, right? They happen because Mm -hmm. you make a point to start to build and develop some of these things. And it is through repetition. It is through practice. It is through um, trial and error. And it's also because you are, or it's more possible being resilient and building these skills and traits are more is more possible when you are also safe and mm-hmm. well nourished and hydrated and fed and working in a you know some place that aligns with your values or doing things period that align with your values and finding meaning in your life etc and so you know the the whole human the whole human needs to be in a good, solid place to really start to develop some of these resiliency skills. Did I say that right? Am I? No, I think that's a really good point. And that's kind of what I said in the middle about my own resiliency. I feel like I've, you know, I feel like I've had a lot of those things, which has allowed me to be resilient. But there, I mean, like, I love that you brought up the basics about, hey, did you, have you have you eaten food that is really going to fuel your body? Um, did you have a glass of water? I mean, honestly, sometimes when I get into a place when I feel like fatigued and discouraged, I'm just like, Kirsten, sit down and have a freaking glass of water, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, I mean, there are there are big things like I believe in God, or I believe in a higher power, or I believe in the in the power and beauty of nature, and. I just need a glass of water. You know, those are kind of the two bookends. <laughs> yeah. Of what we as humans need. Yes. And if you're able to tend to these things, um, you will, you know, have the, have a 
higher chance, a better chance at responding to situations, to stressors, to adversity um, in a way that creates ease, meaning and joy, creates, ease, creates ease, meaning and joy. Yeah. Or you, certainly more of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing for me is like, I hate people suffering and I feel so many times like the suffering that we're, we're experiencing that we can relieve for ourselves some of that suffering by doing some of these things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. You know, it's interesting. You talk about that a lot. Like, why would we be abusive to ourselves? Let's mm-hmm. alleviate our own suffering, build some resiliency, um, and start to embody, yeah, these traits that, like you said, feel a lot, heck of a lot better. Yeah. And, and we know that there are a ton of opportunities right now to practice our resiliency. Oh, yes, there are. From COVID Christmas to economic or political uncertainty to the weather to everything else that life throws us all the time because we're human. Because we're human. And I think, you know, I want to say to the listener, maybe when, you know, in conclusion, we we are right there with you. Like, honest to goodness. And I think that's what those stories at the beginning, you know, thinking about Kirsten and I are just right there with you, sister. It's hard sometimes and it's hard right now. You know, in some ways, this research is for us. This is, well, I said it earlier. I had to pull this up our show uh, outline and dig into this when we took the COVID test. Because I was like, remember, you got to remember, Karina, you got to remember this. This is as much for us as it is for you out there. And because it's as much as it's 2022, you know, we're still in it and we're in it for, we're in it. This is life. We're in it. Mm-hmm. We're in it's it. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I have you as my um, one of my community members, Kirsten. I'm glad I have you too, friend. Yeah, this was a thank you for doing this episode. This was I needed it clearly. I love this topic. I do too. Okay, friends. Get yourself some resiliency. Get after it. Thanks again. You feel good. Happy New Thanks, Year. Thanks, listeners. Okay, bye. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs)